This is Live Well Talk on Alzheimer's and Dementia. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at Unity Point Health, St. Luke's Hospital. Many of you may be looking forward to National Beef Jerky Day or Onion Ring Day in the month of June, but June is also Alzheimer and Brain Awareness Month. More than 16 million family members and friends across the United States are currently caring for a loved one with Alzheimer's or dementia. Return to the podcast today. Uh, to get more insight into what the disease is, warning signs to watch for, treatment, and perhaps prevention, is Dr. Neeti Sharma, Medical Director of UniPoint Wound and Hyperbaric Center. Welcome back. Thank you for having me here, Dr. Arnold. To start off, I, I mean, I know that you are a geriatrician and that you have interest in geriatrics, but tell us a little bit about how you became interested in geriatrics and specifically dementia. Um, yes, um, my grandmother suffered from Alzheimer's dementia. Um, our grandparents used to live with us, so um, I really saw her um, going through the disease and declining and then depending, um, getting dependent on our family and um, just losing more and more of her function. I saw my uh, family struggle through that, and then she ultimately passed away from Alzheimer's dementia, so this cause is really close to my heart. Um, I also did, as you said, geriatrics fellowship, and uh, at that time, I was able to uh, meet with many more families and many more patients who were suffering from this disease, and I uh, was able to get an in-depth knowledge about Alzheimer's and different forms of dementia. And right now, uh, I'm fortunately a part of Alzheimer's Association, which is a nonprofit organization working to help spread awareness, education, providing community support, and, and fighting against the disease. I think listeners would uh, appreciate to understand the difference between all Alzheimer's cases are dementia, but not all dementia is Alzheimer's. So could you give a differentiation between what is Alzheimer's type dementia and what is there are the other forms of dementia? Absolutely, right. Um, Dementia is actually not a specific disease. It's an overall term that describes a group of symptoms. Um, And dementia is not a normal part of aging. It's caused by damage to the brain cells, which can happen because of of different reasons. And because of that uh, damage, it affects their ability to communicate with each other, which can ultimately affect the thinking, behavior, feelings, and that leads to um, cognitive impairment. So if, if there is any impairment in the field of memory or language, function or behavior, and then ultimately becomes progressive and progressive to the point where the person loses independence. That's called dementia syndrome. So dementia uh, can happen because of several different reasons. And Alzheimer's, you you said it exactly correctly, uh, Dr. Alzheimer's is a form of dementia, which is a neurodegenerative form of dementia. It, it occurs because of some abnormal protein accumulation in the, in the brain cells and around the brain cells. And memory loss is the characteristic feature of, dementia, uh, of Alzheimer's dementia. Um, it's one of the most common causes of dementia. 60 to 80 percent of all dementia cases are Alzheimer's. But then there are several other forms of dementia, which are, um, for example, uh, frontotemporal dementia, dementia with Lewy bodies, which we associate with the Parkinson's disease. And there is vascular dementia when, when the 
heart health and overall health is not good affects the vasculature in the brain, and it, it, that leads to similar symptoms. Um, and actually, there are several diseases that can mimic dementia in older people, very commonly depression, sleep disorders, alcoholism. So, um, yes, it's, it's important to differentiate um, what's Alzheimer's and what are other forms of dementia. What are some risk factors? I mean, I think dementia is one of those diseases people fear the most. And it goes back to that paradigm of nobody wants to age and be a burden on their loved one. In my experience, patients are fine with the full stroke that kills them, but they don't want that half a stroke that leaves them the, the, the burden on their caregivers. And I think they feel that way about dementia. Uh, so people are afraid of dementia. And so what are some risk factors for dementia? And, and then in, doing, in elucidating those or uh, delineating those, then we can talk about prevention. There is uh, not a single cause for Alzheimer's disease uh, in dementias. It likely develops from multiple factors. The most important um, risk factor is age. The older the person is, they're higher risk of getting memory problems and Alzheimer's or other dementias. Then genetics is another strong risk factor. If there is a strong family history, like my grandmother had it, and I was nervous uh, just a few years ago that my father is starting to get some symptoms. Um, ultimately, we figured out he just was low in his vitamin B12. We supplemented that and things were better. But then that family history is definitely puts, um, puts you at risk of um, getting the disease. And uh, one promising line of research has suggested that strategies that overall promote healthy aging um, can, can reduce the risk of Alzheimer's and other dementias. So really all those basic things of, like smoking, alcohol, um, specific vitamin deficiencies, even heart disease, hypothyroidism, all those factors, all those things can make you more prone to dementia. Yeah, I think, you know, my experience, and I, I know you share this common experience as a hospitalist, is that families will be reluctant to believe they're mom or father or grandfather, grandmother has dementia because they can remember things that happened 50 years ago like they happened yesterday. But, you know, they can't remember what they had for breakfast. And so families don't understand that. So when as physicians, when we say, well, your mother has dementia, um, it's hard for families to digest that because they're like, what she can remember my 14 year old uh, birthday party like it was yesterday. So tell us some of the signs and symptoms that are observed, uh, that, that family members might observe to say, this is something concerning, I need to get it checked out. Yes, yes, that's very important. And um, w there, there's a few warning signs that if we recognize those in time and uh, you know, go, go to your physician and start getting some treatment for that, uh, it can be really helpful. So here's some uh, here about ten warning signs that we can keep an eye on. Um, memory loss is the most frequent um, thing with Alzheimer's dementia, and memory loss that disrupts daily life. You know, we're, we're we'll have little things that we forget here and there, and that we don't um, count in uh, as anything, but something that's to the point that's disrupting daily life. And then if you're having challenges in planning or solving problems that you were earlier able to do without any problem. And now you're facing more and more problems doing that. Similarly, 
difficulty in completing daily tasks, just very basic routine if they're not able to follow that and complete that. If there is confusion with time and person, if there's trouble understanding some of the images and spatial relations, that's another leading symptom. Um, if there are newer pro new problems with words and speaking or writing, um, if people start misplacing things, just like memory loss, if they're misplacing things, but losing the ability to retrace their steps. You know, we all uh, have days where we don't know where we put our keys. And, uh, but as long as we can uh, retrace our steps and get back to it, it's not a problem. It's when we absolutely have no idea that what happened and that would be counted more as a symptom. If there is decreased or poor judgment, um, if there is withdrawal from the social activities that somebody used to enjoy a lot and now they're not at all uh, involved into that or, or changes in mood and personality. So these are some of the points. It's important to pick them up quickly. The sooner we get, um, get dementia and, or Alzheimer's dementia diagnosed, uh, the better it is for, for the person to understand it, for family members and caregivers to understand it and maybe pursue some kind of treatment. Going back to patients that have it in families, you know, you'll have, um, I don't know if you've seen this in your career, I'm sure you have, but you'll have the, the daughter, let's say, that lives out of state that calls mom every day, right? The daughter will say, I talk to her every morning. She's always the same. Well, it's because it's the same conversation and they can really become ingratiating and, and fake their way through just routine conversation. Uh, I know over my career, I've had patients that I saw in the office. Uh, that there's a normal interaction. They show up and take their blood pressure, take their weight. How are you doing? Let me list your heart and lungs. You know, okay, stay on the same meds. They leave. And then I get them in the hospital for a pneumonia or, or, or other acute illness, and they are really demented. And they are taken out of the routine, uh, and they become uh, uh, agitated, delirious, perhaps, you know, depending on the condition. Can you just kind of talk about how families can... Uh, you talked about the warning signs, but what are some things that you shouldn't do with someone with dementia? So, uh, yes, you're right. If, if somebody is staying um, away from a parent, it's hard to get those subtle points um, in the daily life. It's, it's very important as to who we're getting the history from. Sometimes people, patients themselves, won't have enough insight about the disease. And, uh, and it's hard for them to accept it, too. So it's important to, you know, if there is a friend um, that the patient is interacting with every day, that may be more valuable source of, um, valuable source of information as compared to a daughter who lives uh, far out and only talks to mom on the phone. Um, that's, that's right. Um, so what can be done about uh, dementia is, um, again, figuring out the right reason why you're having these symptoms and ruling out these diseases that can be easily treated. Um, so if recognizing these symptoms, going to your family doctor, ruling out, you know, they'll run certain tests and panel with vitamin B12, thyroid, um, making sure alcohol is not a problem, sleep disorder, uh, vitamin D deficiency, some infections uh, can cause to Brain changes in the brain functioning, um, some auto autoimmune and vascular issues, um, even polypharmacy and making sure all the medicines that they're getting um, 
are not causing any side effects to do that, um, do all of that. And sometimes and physicians would like to get some advanced testing, CT scans, MRIs, cerebral spinal fluid analysis. So after all of that is done uh, and getting the appropriate history, then um, I think the management is uh, two, two different things that can be done. And I think I believe the better way is to first talk to the caregivers, talk to the family members, let them know what the disease is, let them know how the disease progresses and the patient. Um, that way they know what to expect and how to handle it. And then the second part is the medications, which unfortunately there is still not a cure for dementia, but there are medicines that can um, slow down the progression to some, to some extent and mostly to manage the symptoms associated with the disease. So there is two different kind, two classes of medicines. One is cholinesterase inhibitors, um, which includes Aricept, Rivastigmine, um, Resodyne, this group of medicine, and the other one is glutamate activity inhibitors. They includes Nemanda. Um, then there are there's a lot of new research being done. Forty different countries are in different stages of research, and I'm really hopeful that at at one point soon we will have um, a cure for dementia. Um, but right now there are some medications that are like trial or experimental drugs, uh, like donanimab. It's an antibody that targets and removes those amyloid plaques, protein plaques that get deposited in the brain with Alzheimer's disease. So research is going on, but still most important right now is healthy aging. If, if we exercise, avoid smoking, avoid ex excessive alcohol, um, exercise our body and brain, uh, prevent, like, avoid the social isolation and do social interaction and and um, figure out what's the underlying disease and take care of that. That's the best way to to prevent to some extent, prevent and to um, help with the symptoms as well. You know, I've always I'd like to get your opinion on this. I've always told families because I think early on families think, well, if I just correct grandma, she'll she'll be cured. So, you know, grandma uh, believes somebody is their niece rather than their granddaughter. You know, they get a, something mixed up. I've always said, don't correct them because if they have enough insight, they know that they should know that, but they don't know that. And they actually become agitated. Uh, and it's sometimes you're better just to let it go. If they tell you the same story over and over, just sit there and listen and smile. Uh, don't, don't try to say, because they won't remember that they told it to you. Then they're saying, gosh, I should remember that I just told you this story, but I don't. Why is that? And then they become scared. Yes, absolutely. The more we try to tell them that this is not the right thing and do the right thing, it adds to their distress. And that doesn't yes. help the disease. That just makes it worse and worse with time. Yes, totally agree. You mentioned that the lack of social engagement can potentially be harmful. Have you seen the pandemic impact uh, elderly patients from a standpoint of isolation? I mean, there's some nursing home residents that haven't seen their family for 18 months. Absolutely, yes. Um, that's that's a very important point. In fact, I have some numbers that, that are saying that in 2020, um, there's much more um, number of cases of dementia that have been diagnosed, and there are more deaths due to dementia in the year 2020 as compared to the averages in the last five years. And that's because um, these patients um, are left alone. They're, first of all, they're in that long-term setting where 
um, the pandemic hit most hard and then um, they lose the family interaction, the caregivers that are really close and help keep this disease stable to some extent. They, they lose that interaction completely. Um, they are not able to get to their healthcare providers a lot of times um, because of this. So that definitely adds to some conditions not being appropriately treated, um, caregivers not able to reach them out, and, and that social isolation is, is a big factor for progression of dementia and actually has led to death in a few cases. I believe that. I, I think one of the hardest things to do in, as you're treating your elderly patients, worse, worse than, and I'm serious when I say this, worse than telling them they have cancer is to sit down and say, it's time for you to stop driving. Because that loss of independence and ability to get out and engage with other people um, is, can be devastating for, for patients. Uh, and, and that's a harder conversation to have than it is that they have some sort of terminal illness. Uh, um, it, it, or at least it has been for me over the years. Um, how can listeners, families make the fight against Alzheimer's and dementia? What can they do to be proactive? They don't necessarily have uh, um, a loved one that has it, but they, on the same token, they think this is a worthy cause to engage on. How, what, what, what advice can you give them? I think spreading awareness and education. I think there are still people in the community who don't understand the disease. Um, so it's very important to step up and spread awareness, and it can be done in several different ways. When as Alzheimer's Association that I work with, they do walks, they do galas, they um, they raise funds for for the cause and participate in that, or even to uh, let your peers know that hey, there's this uh, Alzheimer's Association. They can be a great source of information and support. Um, also, um, funding uh, research. Uh, as I said, 40 different nations have research going on in different stages, and um, there is a huge scope here, uh, a, a lot of work that needs to be done, a lot of work that can be done. Um, so not just funding, but also agreeing to participating if uh, their loved ones or themselves have some symptoms to agree to participate in these research and studies. That's very, help, very, very helpful. Um, and again, most importantly, trying to maintain a good health in general and trying to age healthy. I think these factors um, are important. Age healthy. That's a great that's that should be a license uh, bumper sticker. Dr. Sharma, you can get credit for it, too. <laughs> this has been really great information. Uh, thank you so much for stopping by. I know you're busy. Again, this is Dr. Sharma, Medical Director at St. Luke's Wounded Hyperbaric Center. Uh, if you need help caring for a loved one with Alzheimer's or dementia, visit the Alzheimer's Association website at ALZ, Z as in zebra, dot org, or call the 24-7 helpline at 1-800-272-3900. That is 1-800-272-3900. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.